Duke fans, welcome to episode 12 of DBR Bites. I am Jason Evans. We are going to talk about the Syracuse Orangemen. Or Syracuse Orange? Orange? They're, still, they're still the... <laughs> it's great because you do this every, every time here. What are they, Sam? They're, the, they're just the orange now. They're just the orange. Okay. I'm too old. I can... No, it's fine. Look, I, I actually find it endearing because every time we start this preview, I think to myself... I wonder what Jason's going to call Syracuse this year. <laughs> so it's actually great that you've continued this bit, even yeah. if it's totally unintentional. I'd, I'd love to pretend like this is uh, some kind of, yeah, bit, some kind of uh, uh, skit that we're running, but it's not. It's just me being an idiot and forgetting what the hell they changed their name. Well, I liked when they were the Orangemen, but whatever. It's fine. Probably I like liked when they were in the Big East. We, You know, whatever. <laughs> Send them back. Uh, that is Sam Klein, as you probably guessed by now. And we are here to talk about Syracuse. This is a big game this weekend. It's a really big game. In case you haven't looked at the ACC standings, uh, you'll see Duke's name and Syracuse's name right next to each other. In fact, on the same line, they are tied. They both have the same ACC records. That is something that probably a few games ago, no one really thought was going to happen, but lo and behold, here, here is Syracuse, you know, thinking that they have a real shot at the NCAA tournament and one of their paths to get their goes through beating the Duke Blue Devils. So, Sam, have you looked very much at what they've done lately? Can you give me a little dissection of what Syracuse has been up to in their ACC battles of late? Before I tell you what Syracuse has been up to, I need to issue a, I don't know, disclaimer about this episode, which is that uh, we're recording on Thursday night. On Thursday morning, I went in to get a gum surgery. So... Uh, my mouth hurts a lot right now, uh, and I've uh, had to take some uh, painkillers. So if anything I say is ridiculous or sounds like it's coming, you know, from from real dry throat, uh, that's because uh, the majority of the calories that I've eaten today have been ice cream. So with that, uh, w- with all of that out of the way, yes, I would love to tell you about where Syracuse has been recently. It has been an extremely bizarre season for Syracuse. I think heading into ACC play, the basic consensus was Syracuse has too many unforgivable losses to really be considered an NCAA tournament team. I think at this moment, they still are on the outside looking in. But as you noted, Jason, similar records. Sam, Sam, before we get to them, let's... Let's recount some of those losses. Yes, I, I, well, I, I was getting there. Oh, good, uh, good. <laughs> so so they lost at home to Colgate, fellow upstate New York school Colgate. They lost to them 80-68 to 68 at home, which is uh, not a great thing. And it turns out that's not their worst loss of the season. A few weeks after losing, or a week and a half about after losing to Colgate, they lost to Bryant at home. Uh, I couldn't tell you what Bryant's mascot is. I don't know where Bryant is. That's not a good sign if you're Syracuse. So they've got those two. They also Yo, have a loss to St. Sam, John's. They, they are the they're the Bryant Bulldogs. And oh, the they're from Smithfield, Rhode Island. Okay, great. I will not admit that from, I did I did not know that prior can't, to can't be far from me because nothing in Rhode Island is far from me. Uh anyway, those those two losses generally tell you that Syracuse is not in good shape. And they, and and through the non-conference season, they had no signature wins. They didn't give themselves that many opportunities. They basically only had one really good 
opponent in the non-conference, which was Illinois, the team they played in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. They got absolutely waxed by them, so no shot. They do traditionally play Georgetown, their old rival, uh, but as I'm sure we've mentioned a few times on this show, and as you, the listener, might know if you follow college basketball at all, uh, Georgetown is an absolute train It's the second worst train wreck in the United States this week. So uh, Syracuse, they they beat Georgetown, but that, that doesn't really tell you anything. So heading into ACC play, I think when we did our ACC preview, we said, look, Syracuse, there's no reason to believe that, that Syracuse is is going anywhere but down this year. And it has been a sort of up and down uh, conference slate for them. However, if we're speaking today in mid-February, their most recent game was a home win against NC State, an NC State team that has been one of the best teams in the ACC, an NC State team that is probably on their way to the NCAA tournament, an NC State team that Duke lost to, albeit in Raleigh as opposed to in Cameron Indoor. And so uh, while while Syracuse is sort of lacking, like that NC State win is, is probably the best win on their resume, they also sport a home win against Virginia Tech, but nothing else to write home about. And so Jason, is, as you said, Syracuse, I think, still has kind of an outside chance at making the NCAA tournament. It's a hard road. They probably have to go mostly undefeated through the rest of the regular season or win the ACC tournament uh, because they really lack that that signature win. You know, these other recent wins that they've had, Boston College, Florida State, a couple of weeks ago, they beat Georgia Tech, they beat Notre Dame. Like none of their none of their ACC wins really pop out except for NC State and Virginia Tech. So they're I, I would say they're sort of a solidly middle ACC team, but they've got Duke this weekend. They get Clemson next week. They get Pittsburgh next week. They get Wake Forest to finish the season. So they have opportunities to play other ACC teams that are vying for NCAA tournament spots. Unfortunately for Syracuse, the ACC is just not that strong. So uh, just looking at that element of their resume, just looking at the schedule, you'd think there's not a ton there, but there is more than nothing there for Jim Beheim's team. And and I, I don't think we need to spend much time uh, rehashing Jim Beheim's uh, issues with with the press and, and <laughs> with the general public uh, this year. No, I, I, you're you're right that they don't have anything impressive, but it does look like I, I feel like they're playing better lately. That you you mentioned the wins over Boston College and Florida State, both of which were on the road. I mean, any road game in the ACC is not an easy game this year. And and they won both those games, you know, with some degree of cushion. They won both those games by nine points. So the, that feels pretty good. And then they, as you mentioned, had that big win over NC State, which was a, a very impressive win for them. So they've they got to be feeling confident. I mean, coming in on a three-game winning streak, you know, if you're if you're Syracuse, that's about as good as it gets for you this season. Uh, it, it, it is – it's worth noting – you know, Duke's had its struggles at times, but this Syracuse team, if we lost to them, it would be our worst loss of the year, even in a road game. They are currently 89th in Ken Pomeroy's rankings. We haven't lost anyone, you know, really anywhere close to that. Um, the closest really would be the loss we had to Virginia Tech, and and we know Virginia Tech is considerably better than their record. Um, Syracuse has the 69th best offense, the 120th best defense, and we got to start by talking about their defense because that's what makes them unique. They almost exclusively, if you've been under a rock, if you if you haven't heard, Syracuse almost exclusively plays a 2-3 zone. Oh, hey, how about that? There's, a, there's breaking news for you. That's what they've been doing under Jim Beheim for 30-plus uh, years now. And I think 100 years they've been playing the 2-3 zone. Something like that, yes. 
it is a really difficult zone to penetrate because you have to do more than beat just one man. There are generally, you know, other guys converging on you when you try to attack their zone. So it's very difficult to penetrate it. You can pass around it and pass through it a little bit, but it's just, it's, it's tough to do. It's real easy to say, oh, just get the ball to someone in the high post. That's what everyone tries to do. They're going to get the ball to someone, you know, flashing to the foul line and, and attack the zone from there. But, you know, it, it, it's easy to say that it's not necessarily easy to do that. And, and doing that, most teams don't ordinarily run their offense through the foul line, the high post. It's not a usual place that teams try to uh, attack other teams. So it means you're probably uncomfortable. You're probably trying to do things that you have only been working on for a couple days in practice, as opposed to things that you've been working on all year. That's one of the reasons that Syracuse is uh, reasonably successful most years with this two, three zone. Duke will almost certainly, I think, try to get Kyle Filipowski into that high post spot um, and let him operate from there. I think they may also try and get Ryan Young in there a good bit because both those guys are, you know, fairly good passers from the high post. I think Ryan Young especially could be very, very valuable in this game, Sam, with his ability to find open teammates. He's a smart, crafty player. He's a very, very good passer for a big man. And I think Duke may try and work him there a good bit. The the other guy who I think could be a huge key in, you know, beating that zone and again, beating it from the inside as opposed to firing over it. We'll talk about Duke shooting over it in a moment, but Jacob Grandison. I, I think that Jacob Grandison may be the most valuable player, not in terms of what his total stats will be, but his performance to, to a large extent, I think may determine whether or not Duke wins this game. And by that, I mean, he, um, John Shires talked about, he is a, outstanding passer. Jacob Grandison is a guy who knows how to find his teammates at weird angles. And I think you could see Duke trying to get Grandison that ball in that high post a lot. He also buries corner three-pointers. He's hitting 50% of his corner threes on the year. And the corner three is something that is open quite often against the Syracuse zone. I think that Duke Duke's going to have to get someone to hit three-pointers. You cannot beat Syracuse without hitting threes. That's that's just plain the truth. And when I get into the advanced analytics, you're going to see some numbers that just jump off the page about, you know, how many threes Syracuse allows and what teams shoot and things like that. You can't beat Syracuse without hitting threes. And Grandison's going to have to be a part of that for Duke because the other guys aren't good enough shooters. The other guy that I want to talk about when we're talking about players is Dariq Whitehead, who has hit now nine of his last 13 three-pointers, which is outrageous. Like, I don't know that he can continue that, but I hope he can continue it for one more game. But uh, he he is Duke's best three-point shooter in the season. He's now inched up. He's almost at 40% from three. And we're going to need him and Grandison, probably Roach. Uh, I, I bet Filipowski will get some threes. We're going to have to hit, you know, a third or better of our threes to have a chance in this game. And when you look at the zone this year, you mentioned, Jason, that Syracuse is uh, – defensive efficiency is is relatively low this year uh they're you know they're they're giving up three pointers they they you know the, the percentage against them uh, on threes is is not great but it's one of those things that you almost get yourself psyched out as an opponent when when you face Syracuse uh the one thing that they do produce a lot of on defense and, and I know you you're going to talk about this uh, a bit more when when it comes to the advanced stats is that Syracuse blocks a lot of shots. They're very good at that. It's it's part of the you know it's 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 part of what happens in that in that zone defense. So 
while I hope that Kyle Filipowski is able to make a couple three-pointers, I also get very nervous as we've talked about the fact that Duke and, and Filipowski in particular uh, have been somewhat prone to getting their shots blocked. And so there's a there, there, there's going to be a challenge there for um, for Duke. Before you get to the advanced stats, Jason, I just want to highlight the, the Syracuse roster very quickly. As of recent games, they're basically Jim Beheim's pretty much playing only five guys. There are there are a couple guys off the bench that are getting occasional minutes, but against NC State, all the starters played 34 or more minutes. Uh, the most that any of the bench players played was six minutes. So only five guys for Syracuse. And so therefore, the only names that you really have to know, some of them uh, I think will be familiar. Joe Girard is a senior. Uh, he's only in his fourth year in the program. I know this is astounding. Uh, Jesse Edwards is the other senior on this team. He's been there forever, but but he, Duke fans, may be less familiar with than Gerard, who's who's pretty much been a uh, a big minutes guy his whole time in Syracuse. Jesse Edwards has has seen his role as a big man uh, increase every year, but he played every minute against NC State. Yeah, uh, you know this is sort of the story with all of them. And then the other three guys on the team that this is sort of an interesting element for Syracuse is that somewhat like Duke, they've got three freshmen who are starting and, and playing huge minutes. The one guy, uh, their their point guard, is the one player here who was a top recruit who I think Syracuse fans probably coming into the season had relatively high hopes for. That was Judah Mintz. Uh, Judah Mintz is, is having an outstanding season at the point guard for Syracuse, not you know necessarily so much on defense where, where Syracuse has, has struggled on the whole, but on offense – uh, Mintz has got a two to one assist to turnover ratio. He's scoring fairly efficiently and I think has been a a, a revelation for for the Qs. Yeah, by the way, I, I would argue there's a pretty good case that Judah Mintz may be the second best freshman in the ACC behind Kyle Filipowski. Uh, he, he, he really has played quite well and he's been playing better and better as the season has moved on. And then the other the other two freshmen, just to just to bring the names up for you, uh, Malik Brown and Chris Bell, who are who are playing the forward position. So they'll be flanking Edwards and and playing out wide in the um, in that in that zone. Those are the guys, Brown and Bell, who when we talk about Duke wanting to get those corner threes, whether it's Grandison, Whitehead, those are the guys that the Duke is trying to target, maybe try to get them out of position. Hopefully Duke is able to uh, to create bad spacing there with with the man in the middle uh, such that it frees up guys like Grandison in the corner to, to take those threes. That's going to be the key against Syracuse. It, it, it's, it's rare that uh, you get to play a team that is so committed to the two, three zone, but that is also uh, full of freshmen that are getting minutes that uh, you know, is something that we usually worry about as Duke fans that other teams are taking advantage of, of Duke's youth when it comes to understanding the defensive switches and, and playing the scheme correctly. Duke hopes they can exploit the same uh, against the orange. All right. So you, you teased it up for me a little bit. So let's get back to the, those analytics. Uh, and I'm going to start with their defense. As you mentioned, Syracuse doesn't turn you over a lot. The, a, a zone, a team that plays zone as much as Syracuse does is not going to put a lot of pressure on ball handlers. It's not going to force them into extra mistakes and as such. So as a result, Syracuse's turnover rate is not that, not that high. I mean, obviously what Syracuse wants to do is they want to force you into a bad shot. They want to force you to take a long distance shot. They want you to force you into the middle of that zone for, for contested jumpers and stuff like that. 
opponents end up hitting about a third of their three pointers against Syracuse. And I want to be clear. It's not that Syracuse like hangs back and just lets you fire away from three. They're trying to go out and contest it. And they have guys with long arms who know how to play zone the right way. So they're going to get out there. It's not like you're just shooting wide open three pointers the whole time, but you're going to get a few more than you would against most teams. And again, Syracuse's opponents hit about 33%. Um, Syracuse's opponents hit about 49% on two point shots. Both those numbers are about average for all Division One teams. And that's partially why the Syracuse defense is just an average defense this year. They do a good job of not fouling. They're one of the like top 10 teams in the country and not giving up free throw attempts. Um, a lot of that, again, is the zone and, and the fact that they're, you know, they're, they're not necessarily, you know, bodying up to a guy specifically if he's not in their area. Um, and, you know, like you mentioned, their, their block rate is un, unreal. Second highest block rate in the country. And that's anchored by Jesse Edwards, who is, you know, easily one of the, I don't know, four or five best shot blockers in the country. Um, the two other things that kind of jump out about Syracuse on defense is that they're among the bottom 10 teams in the country in terms of the number of three-pointers they give up. People love to shoot over that zone. Not surprising, but I just want to give you the number. And more than 70% of the baskets scored against them come off of assists. We've talked about this, that it, the way to beat that zone is not to penetrate into it. It's to pass through it and around it. Passes leading to assists. And Syracuse is just, it's an unreal number of assisted basket that Syracuse gives up. But again, that's the nature of how they play zone. Last thing I want to mention about them, they're a terrible, terrible defensive rebounding team. That's not that surprising for a team that plays zone. It's sort of harder to mark a man specifically and, and box him out and put a butt on him when you're playing zone. So, But as a result, Syracuse gives up more than a third of all their missed shot of all the opponents missed shot as offensive rebounds. And we know Duke is a team that does a good job on the offensive boards. If we're not hitting our three pointers, the main way we can look to score against the Syracuse team is probably toss that ball at the basket and hope that lively and young and Filipowski and Mitchell and the such can go grab that rebound. Cause again, against Syracuse, they're going to give up a lot of rebounds. Sam, you mostly covered, I think the offense, which is that, you know, Joe Girard is going to shoot a lot of threes. Judah Mintz is going to attack the basket as much as he possibly can. He's not really an outside shooter, but he's a penetrator. And then they're going to try and get Jesse Edwards to clean things up and get dunks and lobs and things like that. The, the rest of the guys in the team just don't do that much. It's those three guys who do the vast majority of the shooting and scoring. And the rest of the team, you know, like you mentioned Chris Bell. He's a decent shooter and he shoots a bit from outside, but... For the most part, this Syracuse team is relying on Gerard firing from long distance, Mintz penetrating, and Edwards cleaning it all up. And when you say, Jason, that Mintz is not a good shooter, he's actually a bad shooter from three. So uh, any three-pointers that that Duke can leave Mintz open to take, probably a good sign for the Blue Devils that they're uh, getting Syracuse off of their game. So I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. I think it's easy for Duke fans to sort of think Syracuse isn't that great a team. That, as you mentioned at the very outset, Sam, they have a number of results that leave you going, this is just not a team that is all that impressive. Well, same with Notre Dame. And we were, we were very much in a tight game against Notre Dame. Same with Boston College. And Duke was in a really close game with Boston College. Uh, the, the thing about Syracuse is there are aspects of their game that they do pretty darn well. And there are things about playing Syracuse that are different than playing other teams. 
because we're Duke's just not used to playing as much zone as we're going to see from Syracuse. Ken Pomeroy, and, and it's a road game. And you cannot underrate that. This Duke team has been terrible at times on the road, just awful. Uh, so Ken Pomeroy says, yeah, Duke probably wins this game by one point. The efficiency metrics say Duke wins this game 70 to 69. It, it, this would be a big win for the Blue Devils if we could get it. Road wins in the ACC, as I said earlier, are few and far between. They're tough to come by. This is a team that is tied with us. We're both nine and six in the standings. I, I think it's possible that the double buy, a top four finish, may be impossible for Duke at this point or darn close to it. But things could get things could get worse. And getting this win at Syracuse is a big part of Duke getting back on track, showing that we're clearly part of the upper tier of the ACC and and you know getting in shape to get a decent NCAA seed. Look, you're talking about the double buy. On the flip side, the loser of this game um, may not be getting any buy in, exactly. in the ACC tournament. So, you know, I, there is still an outside chance that, that Duke is able to secure uh, the the double buy, although the opportunities are are dwindling for that. And Duke probably needs to be perfect down the stretch to make it happen. But there are a lot of teams that are also in striking distance of, of that next four. Right now, uh, in the loss column, Duke is tied for fifth in the conference, but with four other teams. So uh, every win at this point counts a lot towards that because, you know, we we, we saw Duke uh, win the ACC tournament a couple years ago uh, without securing the double bye. They had to play four games. Much, much harder to win the ACC tournament or make even enough noise in it to matter if you are playing on the first day. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. That's going to wrap it up here on episode number 11 of DBR Bites. 12. I think we're on episode 12. 12, 11, whatever it is. On the latest episode. That's what I'll say. The latest episode of 12 DBR Bites. Bites. Have we finished the sandwich yet? Or are we, are we, have we moved on to dessert? Do I need more ice cream? Oh, I think you I definitely need more. need more ice cream. We haven't, right. uh, we haven't picked a, uh, a new name for the podcast yet, right? No, but we've gotten, boy, a ton of submissions, some really great ones. Keep them coming though. Yeah, we will talk about that this weekend when we get Donald back with us. We'll probably, uh, it, maybe, maybe we'll be even decide and we will reveal it. I don't know about that, but we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out and, and keep those emails coming. DBRpodcast at gmail.com is the email address to reach us. Thanks a lot for listening. For Sam, I'm Jason. Stay tuned. Here's the Duke Band to play us out and take us home. Yeah,